Welcome to the Indirect Vision Podcast, where it is our mission to help pre-dental and dental students make better decisions through the application of new and unique perspectives. Today, Kyle and I are interviewing Dr. Carly Boudreau. Carly graduated from Midwestern University, Arizona in 2019 and is in a pediatric dentistry residency at Riley Hospital for Children through Indiana University. She is interested in patient-parent education, SDF, and pulp therapies, and in her spare time enjoys cooking, tending to her balcony garden, and walking around downtown. Thanks for joining us today, Carly. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. So you are the very first um, pediatric dentistry resident that we are interviewing, so we're so curious about what that's all about. But what, when, at what point in your education did you realize that you wanted to specialize in pediatric dentistry? So I think I'm kind of one of those rare stories where I knew this is what I wanted to do before I even really knew what dentistry was. Um, I was about eight years old and my second cousin was going through her pediatric dental residency back home in Louisiana um, at LSU. And she would come home for special occasions, you know, birthdays, things like that. And I would just hear her talk about her patient interactions, the education she was providing to the parents. And I felt so inspired by her at such a young age, which I recognize now is pretty wild, but it just seemed mm. like what she was doing was really important. And I could see how much she loved it. And I became interested in it in that from basically that day on. And I really never wavered much from that at all. I very briefly considered becoming um, a medical doctor and quickly decided that was not for me. And back to pediatric dentistry, it was. So most of my hmm. life, I've known this is exactly what I wanted to do. Hmm. That's and then you ended up at Midwestern University. And yes. here you are. Here you yeah. are in your residency right now. <laughs> Dream come true. <laughs> I know. It's sometimes I'd have to pinch myself because I think, you know, we all get kind of bogged down in the day to day, but some mm. moments that, you know, are really special. And I kind of am able to remember like, this is what I've been mm -hmm. wanting for my whole life. And I'm finally mm -hmm. here. And it's awesome. Mm -hmm. It's kind of surreal, mm. but it's great. Mm, definitely. That's, I, that's awesome. I hope all of us can, uh, Accomplish our goals like you have. Oh, um, I hope that for you too. <laughs> <laughs> so, so pediatric dentistry, that's a competitive residency, just like all the residencies. How did you maintain that competitive edge when applying or throughout dental school? You know, that was really hard for me. Um, I came into um, dental school with a GPA from undergrad that wasn't spectacular. Um, it wasn't horrible, but it obviously wasn't a 4.0. Um, and so I had to work really hard. My whole first year, I kind of felt like a robot. And I don't know if y'all's schedules are, are the same as kind of what we used to have, but I just got myself into such a routine with the exams we had every week. I had a study schedule for myself and I just kind of like, I guess I just had the mindset of like grin and bear it. And this is, you're going to get through it. It's only one year of your life. You can really hunker down mm -hmm. and try to get good grades and, trying to like keep the end in mind, like things will be better once you get through it. And your first year was tough, but I had a pretty good, I was proud of my GPA that first year, but I wanted to improve it. And with each year, you just got a little bit better and a little bit better. Um, I always had a good study group 
at, at Midwestern. Um, it did change a little bit from first year to um, second year. Uh, but I think once you find those people who can motivate you, kind of keep you in line um, and teach you something new that you didn't recognize, <laughs> then you're probably mm. setting yourself up for a lot of success with that. So mostly it was the people I was surrounded by who kind of kept me going and, and helped me do my best. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So when did you actually end up applying for your residency? You said it was only one year of like hard work, but then so, you probably didn't apply right away, right? No, 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 no. I just, I for me, I kind of felt like D1 year was the toughest year where I had to work the hardest just to maintain my grades right. because of all the exams we had in first year. Um, but then I applied in my, like at the end of my third year over that summer and then started interviewing in the fall. Did you do any um, like externships or shadowing or any extracurricular activities before you applied to kind of prepare you for the application process or quote, make, you know, make you more competitive or I don't know if they even like that, but yeah, they they do. Um, so I think one thing that you probably have experienced in some way or another is people have pretty polarizing opinions about pediatrics, right? Some people are like, oh, pedo is amazing. I want to do this forever. And then you have the other camp of people who are like, if I never see a child in my practice, I'll be really happy about it. And so mm-hmm. I think that our the program directors kind of recognize that. And if you're going to commit your career to becoming a, to being a pediatric dentist, you need to know that it's really the career for you. And so having as much experience as you can, um, shadowing or externing is always really helpful. Um, I actually worked as a dental assistant in my cousin's practice, the one I mentioned earlier, who is a pediatric dentist back home in Louisiana. Um, I worked with her for a while. I felt like I got a lot of hands-on experience. I really understood the ins and outs, the day-to-day of pediatric dentistry. And then I um, did extern, like you said. Um, I do have a piece of advice about externing. I externed for five days straight at the same program. And let me just tell you, that is a lot of days of externing consecutively at one place. You really only need a day or two in one specific program, I think to really kind of get a feel for what the culture of that program is like. And then from there, you can give yourself more opportunities to extern at more places if you're not committing a whole week to each place. Does that make sense? Yeah. So did you... Did you do the externship at the hospital you're at right now? Is that where you did the five-day externship? No, I didn't actually extern here. I did my externship at LSU in New Orleans. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yep. Interesting. And um, what was, how did you go about even getting these externships? Did you have to apply for them or did you just call the school up one day and say that you're interested and schedule a day to go over there? That's yeah, that's what I did. I just called, I reached out to the program and kind of let them know that I was interested in setting up an externship. And 
Um, it was as simple as that. And actually, we are in, as everyone knows, really, you know, dynamic times. COVID has made mm-hmm. our world a little bit turned upside down. But the one positive um, that I can name just off the top of my head is that a lot of pediatric dental residencies, I know specifically, have made videos. It's a like a virtual externship. Mm. So if any of you listening are interested in applying to a pediatric residency, you could be a second year, you could be a third year, you could be any year, just reach out to the programs you think you're interested in and ask them if they have a virtual externship. If they do, they'll Hmm. send you a link and you can learn a lot about a program through that. Um, We also, my program specifically is, has set up some kind of uh, virtual Q&A sessions. So we've had, you know, uh, dental students from across, across the country at different dental schools who have popped in for an hour uh, just to kind of ask us some questions and learn more about our program because it's so Hmm. hard to tell programs apart when you're only looking at them online. And you guys Hmm. might have experienced that a little bit when you were just applying for dental schools as well. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, you really have to go there and chat with people (laughs) in order to get a fuller picture of what it's like. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Tell, tell us a little more about these these virtual um, externships. Do you do they just do the panel like you said, or do they actually take you like take you on their iPhones into the clinic and show you procedures and stuff? So I can't really speak for every program. I can tell you guys what we did. Um, as a group of residents, we got together and pre-recorded a video. Uh, which was actually really fun. <laughs> it was fun for us to all get together again after being separated uh, due to COVID reasons. But we got together. We took um, pe- we basically took a tour through the hospital to show people, you know, where we take call. Here's the emergency department. You know, here's our clinic. Here's where we perform sedations. Um, here's where we prepare to go to the operating room. Um, so it was, um, I think, as how do I say? Like it was as comprehensive as I think it could be Mm -hmm. for a short video, we really tried Mm -hmm. to show people all the aspects of our clinic and kind of explain how our schedule works and how being on call works and what our class schedule is like. And I think it's really helpful. Um, It's as Mm -hmm. close as you can get, in my opinion, to actually going to a program and, you know, doing an in-person externship. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Um, I think we'll definitely have to look into that, Andrew. Yeah, um, you should. So I have a question. What yeah. would you say are the, when you were looking at all these different residency programs and doing the externships and narrowing down uh, your choices for places to which you would apply, what were the three top qualities that you were really looking for in a residency program? So top three is probably hard uh, to really narrow down, but things I was really hoping for were to get a lot of experience. Uh, The only way to become comfortable with treating children is to treat them. And in order to do that, you need to have a program that can support, um, you know, a certain caseload. Uh, I was really looking for faculty, um, 
of different backgrounds. It was important to me to have some faculty members who are still in private practice um, or who at least kind of have their finger on the pulse of what's happening in the private practice world today because things are so um, dynamic and things change so quickly in dentistry in terms of the different techniques we use and technologies we have. I was also looking for a program that would give me a lot of experience with treating a special healthcare population. And I definitely found all of those things at my program here um, in Indianapolis at Riley Hospital. That's awesome. So how many other residencies did you apply to? I think I applied to 15, so one five programs. Um, I learned my lesson when I applied to dental schools for the first time. I only applied to one school, which was crazy. I literally put all of my eggs in one basket. I know. Looking back, I'm like, Carly, how did you not realize that was a horrible idea? But um, anyway, that's what I did. And I didn't even get an interview at that dental school. And I've like felt pretty upset about that, obviously, as I'm sure anyone would who didn't get an interview who obviously now can't be accepted that year and needs to apply again. Um, So -hmm. when I was applying for residencies, I knew I wasn't going to let myself make that same mistake. So I cast a pretty wide net. I applied to 15 programs and I ended up getting interviews at eight of the programs, which I was really excited about. I mean, I felt good about that. I had a lot of options. That's awesome. Um, could you tell us a little bit about what the interview process was like? Was it pretty similar to dental school interviews or did it differ in any ways? Um, you know, I think it kind of, it all depends on on where you interviewed and, and what the style was of that um, program. I mean, the, the interview style at Midwestern was different when I was interviewing um, than it is now. And when you guys were interviewing, um, it used to mm-hmm. not really be that panel style that it is now, but When I was going through interviews, I had a huge range of things. I think the most, the most number of interviews I had in one day with like one on one faculty was eight. And that was wild. Um, Eight, like 15 to 20 minute interviews, I think make a person go crazy because they didn't all talk to each other beforehand. They Most of them asked me very similar questions. And so I really just started to feel like a broken record. And I kind of felt like I was only being able to highlight like one or two parts of my personality and my experience. And instead of kind of having like a more comprehensive view of who I am as a person and what I wanted in my career and things like that. But some programs were, were less um, repetitive and they would have – a panel of interviewers and, you know, you'd spend like 30 or 40 minutes with them. I kind of honestly blacked out a little bit during a lot of the interviews (laughs) just because it's so much stress and I had so many of them. And like I said, at times I was worried that I was just repeating myself over and over. And I don't have very fond memories of the interview season. (laughs) (laughs) I was so happy when it was over. It was over and you got accepted. So it was a win-win, right? So it was. I think I had to wait almost three months to find out because I, my last interview was in November. And then I want to say our, um, like, accept, 
the day when we all found out if we were if we matched or not match day was sometime in February and that was probably the longest couple of months of my life every day I just felt like my whole future was so up in the air I was being dramatic obviously um, but it's a stressful time and I just wanted to get in I just wanted to match mm-hmm. somewhere so mm-hmm. badly and so mm-hmm. I'm really glad that I did obviously yeah, my palms are sweating just thinking about that. I couldn't imagine how you felt. So is there is there anything you wish you had done different for your application? Or do you feel like you just you had a pretty solid application, you're happy with what you had? That's a good question. Um, I do wish a, a couple of things. So um, this is kind of less about the application specifically and more just about preparing for this career. I, like I said, worked in my cousin's practice for a while and I became very accustomed to the way that she practiced. Her practice style, the type of patients she saw, the type of procedure she did. And I developed a, a narrow-minded view of pediatric dentistry as a whole Um, which was very easy for me to change once I started experiencing other practice philosophies and other styles. As you know, I mean, dentists, there's no one right way to do something in dentistry. There's a million ways to do things. And so Mm -hmm. I wish that maybe in dental school, I had taken more of opportunities to shadow people in the Phoenix area just to see what they Mm -hmm. were doing in their practices and, you know, what, what they were finding worked for them kind of just getting more exposure to that. Um, I think that Mm -hmm. probably would have also looked good on applications as well, because they see, you know, the more you, you do, the more you experience in, in your field, the more you're showing them, like I am dedicated to learning as much as I can about this topic. And I think that will reflect well in an application. Um, I also wish that I had externed at more than one place. And I kind of mentioned that earlier as well, that that five-day commitment was a lot of time spent in one place. And I basically knew everything that I needed to to know I wanted to apply to that program in the first two days. And I could have spent another couple of days at another program, maybe here at IU, for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So... Uh, Talk to us a little bit about what your day-to-day looks like in your residency program. I know maybe things might not be 100% normal at the moment, but like what kind of procedures do you do and just kind of like your daily schedule? Yeah, absolutely. So I kind of had to adjust to how different my schedule was every day when I got into residency. Um, at Midwestern, you know, every day looked the same. Basically, I went to clinic, I saw my patients, and I got there at the same time every day. I went home at a similar time every day. But in residency, you know, we're trying to juggle didactic education as well as clinical experience. And so um, in our first year here at my program, we take some um, didactic courses, and we're also in the clinic um, treating patients um, you know, several days out of the week. And in our second year, we're treating patients Monday through Friday in our clinic. Um, 
one of the good things about being in a program like mine, where we're in a hospital, um, we have a lot of operating room time, which is not something that was very high on my list when I was applying, but I've actually learned that I love being in the operating room. Um, My whole day tomorrow will be spent in the OR. I have four cases that I will be treating. um, And it's really awesome opportunity to do comprehensive dental care on patients who need all four quads restored and, you know, possibly upper anterior as well, for example. Um, So we get a lot of OR time. We rotate through there. Um, Right now I'm on a rotation where I'm going to the operating room once a week. We have a lot of experience with oral sedation as well as IV sedation in my clinic. So um, next week I'm going to be performing oral sedations um, in the morning one day of the week. And then I'm going to be in the OR again for an entire day next week as well. So the other times that I'm not performing a sedation or in the operating room, I'm treating patients in our clinic. Okay. Well, that's really cool. Um, <laughs> it is so It is really cool. <laughs> you're going to be in the, the OR, uh, the operating room. So are you, are you the one doing the uh, sedations or do they bring in an anesthesiologist for that? So when we perform oral sedations, um, it's us, the dentist, who are managing the sedation. So we administer the medication. We monitor vitals throughout the procedure. But if we're performing an IV sedation, we have an anesthesia team that comes into our clinic. They administer the drugs. They monitor vitals. And I can focus on just doing high-quality dentistry for the patient. And then in the operating room as well, there's an anesthesia team there. They administer the meds, they monitor vitals, and I just focus on doing high-quality dentistry for the patient. Okay, so with the uh, the oral sedation, they're not fully sedated. Is that is that right? Right. So you know, there's there's different levels of sedation, but we want the patient to be sedated but awake. Right during our oral sedations. Yeah. So we we want the patient to be able to respond to commands. Sometimes they ignore you or they're just screaming so loudly that they they can't hear the questions that you're asking, but yes, that's the the ultimate goal. So that actually is a good segue into another question we had. Um, We're kind of going out of order here, but that's okay. Um, Like when you get a, you know, a difficult case, we'll say, or maybe a, a kid that doesn't want to comply. Um, how how have you found is the best way to deal with, with a challenging situation like that? So, you know, this is, everyone's going to kind of hate this answer, but every case is so different. It really depends on what kind of procedure are you trying to perform. Are you trying to Um, you know, perform a cleaning on a patient or are you doing something like an extraction or are you trying to prep a crown? Some, with some patients, a little patience goes a long way. If you are just patient with them, give them a lot of tell, show, do, that can help them understand what you're about to do to them and that can put their mind at ease, make them a little bit more comfortable some patients, though, can kind of come into your office with a previous traumatizing dental experience. And unfortunately, you know, that, that groundwork has kind of already been laid. They're just afraid. 
And again, just really slowing down, having some patience, trying to explain to them if, you know, they're of age to understand, um, you know, what you're about to do. I think that that has been really helpful for me. Trying to kind of match the patient's energy can be helpful. Um, I mean, I'm usually pretty excited when I walk in. I'm high energy. But if I have a patient Mm -hmm. who has, let's just use autism for an example. If Mm -hmm. I have a patient with autism in my chair, I'm not going to come in guns blazing, you know, talking about how excited I am to see them today. I'm going to lower my tone a little bit. I'm going to try not to make sudden movements. I'm not going to lean their chair back. Very quickly, I'm going to give them advance notice for any little movement I'm going to make, like moving the chair back or turning the light on. Those kinds of things can really help a patient feel more comfortable. No one wants to feel startled in a dental chair. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I think a a lot of the things that we do and a lot of the instruments that we use in our hand pieces can make loud sounds and that can Mm -hmm. scare children. Um, one of my, we all have a different technique for distraction. Uh, my current distraction technique is to play games with kids. So if I'm going to be anesthetizing a child, I really don't want them to know that I'm anesthetizing them. I don't want them to see the needle. I don't want them to even know that it's happening. So I'll kind of start off by saying, hey, do you like to play games? Oh, I love to play games too. Let me tell you my favorite game. Let's play this game where I describe an animal and you try to guess which animal it is. And so as I am starting to kind of describe an animal to a patient, I'll, you know, uncap my needle, I'll get my mirror into position. And then after I'm done describing the animal, I will make the animal sound and I'll make it pretty loudly. Like it's sort of uncomfortably loud. Um, But it's a great distraction technique because the kid is listening to what I'm saying they are trying to figure out which animal I'm describing. And then the loud sound of me barking like a dog or making a monkey sound, a lot of times is enough just to take their mind off of the fact that I just stuck a needle into their tissues. And then from there, using a really slow technique of trying, you know, of advancing the stopper, basically like everyone's been taught, um, that really helps. And I find that if I can get the patient through that initial you know, piercing of the tissue and I use a slow technique, a lot of times they don't even know that I got them numb. And then they start, you know, kind of sucking on their lip or pulling on the on their lip and they're like, hey, what's happening? And I'm that's when I tell them, oh, I just put your tooth to sleep, not you, just your tooth. And then they're like, oh, okay, this is fine. This is easy. That's wow. uh you know that what that makes me think of <laughs> what does it make it's you think? It's almost of? like you're a magician. <laughs> I was thinking of a pocket. (laughs) (laughs) There's actually a lot of magic in pediatric dentistry. I do not consider Mm. myself a magician, but if you follow like uh, pediatric Instagram accounts, a lot of them involve uh, practitioners using magic because kids are so fascinated by it and it's such a good distraction for them. Heck, if my dentist used magic, I'd be fascinated too. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, just with you saying that, it makes me think that pediatric dentistry has a ton of psychology involved with it. Yes. Like you have to know what patients you have to have high energy with, what patients you have to be calm and soothing with. Uh you really it's a it, you really have to be skilled in that in that field to 
do that. Also, you have to multitask being able to <laughs> stick a needle and make a, a dog sound at the same time. Like, yes, no, you're a right. Lot must be going on in your mind at once. <laughs> it is. And that's kind of what residency is about. You know, at some point, this will become kind of like muscle memory for me. And, um, you know, it'll be like when you're doing crown preps, I mean, you just do them, you, you will have done them a thousand times at some point, and you'll have spent 10,000 hours and you'll just know what to do. Um, for me right now, I am kind of balancing between behavior management techniques and also doing good work for the children. I'm definitely Mm -hmm. not perfect at it, but that's what residency is for is to kind of try Mm -hmm. new things, figure out what works for you and then, um, kind of refining and kind of honing in on those techniques that do work Mm. Mm -hmm. what would you say is the hardest part of residency thus far and what what part do you enjoy the most the part that I really enjoy the most is patient and parent education. When I get mm. a one-year-old new patient exam, I am so happy. Those are my absolute favorite appointments. I love having the opportunity to get a child into my chair at such a young age and educate the parents on, you know, like coaching them through diet, um, coaching them through oral hygiene, kind of teaching them tips and tricks for how to brush their uncooperative child's teeth at home by themselves. Um, You know, talking about use of fluoride toothpaste and flossing. And I just think it's so amazing to be able to teach parents everything they need to know in such a short appointment to really set their child up for success over time. Of course, they never follow every recommendation right out of the gate. It takes a couple of appointments to really cement things for them. Um, But like I said, laying that foundation for them, answering their questions. I mean, when you can see a parent's kind of light bulb go off and they say, oh, I never thought to try that. Or, oh, I didn't know my child could use a fluoride toothpaste at this age. I've just been using training toothpaste. Or I didn't know that they couldn't have anything to eat or drink besides water after I brushed their teeth at night. You know, no one ever told me that. So I didn't know. It's just so exciting for me to see these parents learn things that I'm able to teach them. And hopefully when they get home, they actually take it to heart and follow those recommendations. Mm -hmm. Mm. And what would you say is the hardest part? Oh, right. What's something that surprised you? Something that surprised me. I'm trying to think of like the most challenging part. I so my um, cousin performs a lot of oral sedations in her practice, and so I felt like I had a pretty good grip on what she was doing and how they worked. And then once I got here, I realized that I don't love oral sedations. <laughs> they give me a decent amount of anxiety. Um, I mm. really like being able to either treat a patient with just nitrous and local anesthetic or taking mm-hmm. them to the operating room or having, you know, the IV anesthesia team come in. I just, when you're working as the the operator in an oral sedation, there are so many things to focus on. And I think at this point in my career, when I'm really focusing on like refining my technical skill and my hand skills for some of the things that I'm doing, trying to focus on that and listening to, you know, the tone of the vitals machine and checking pulse ox and checking respirations. I just feel 
a little bit overwhelmed in those scenarios. Mm -hmm. And then you add a patient who is not very well sedated and is screaming at the top of their lungs for (laughs) 10 minutes. I mean, it's a lot. It really is a Mm -hmm. lot. So I'm trying to, you know, get more comfortable in those scenarios. Um, That will come Mm -hmm. a little bit with more experience as well. Kind of can't come fast enough, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Well, like I said, you're by the end of this residency, you're going to be a master and you you probably already are, but a master at multitasking. I sure hope so. I sure hope so. <laughs> I, I think you're already there. I really do. Um, Unfortunately, we just ran out of time. But our okay. last question for you is what is one piece of advice you would tell your first year dental self if you could go back Back in, back to 2015. Okay, my biggest piece of advice to myself being at Midwestern would be to really take a step back and appreciate the experience that we get to have there. I know you guys are told this constantly, but I really didn't believe it um, because I was just so wrapped up in my experience, which was such a positive experience being at Midwestern. We have amazing faculty there. We had amazing uh, classmates. I developed relationships with people that I will talk to forever, um, both as mentors and as friends. Um, Take advantage of every opportunity that you have because I think, you know, I was pretty focused on becoming a pediatric dentist. And for that reason, I probably missed out on some opportunities to really push myself to use some of the technology we had at Midwestern and to work with some of the faculty that we have because I just wasn't as interested in doing those things. And I wish I had been. Mm, mm. Well, thank you so much, Carly, for all your advice and wisdom. This was such a jam-packed episode we were able to talk about so much and i feel like we could continue talking for hours but unfortunately (laughs) we're just out of time so we really we really appreciate chatting with us and uh and letting our audience know what pediatric dentistry is all about. So thanks again. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. I am honored that I was your first pediatric dental resident to be on the podcast. Yes. <laughs> yeah, probably one of the first people interested in pediatric dentistry too. So so we're yeah, excited. We definitely awesome. need to interview a lot more. So well, you guys, um, best of luck in your education. Midwestern's a wonderful place, and I hope you guys really get to make the most of your experience there. Mm, thanks a lot. And thanks to all of our, our listeners today, too. We really appreciate it. Have a good day, everyone.